Imagine it's the year 1519. You've come to Wittenberg, Germany to hear an Augustinian monk whose writings have already set the world on fire. Over the past two years, Martin Luther has become a household name with his pamphlets, lecture, and Bible commentaries translated into multiple languages. All of Europe is equal parts amazed and unsettled by this seminary professor, some calling him genius and others calling him insane. So you've come to hear for yourself. You live just a few towns to the east, and the journey only took half a day. You've gathered with a sizable crowd around the front doors of the seminary at Wittenberg University. On the stone steps above you stand a few men in scholar's robes and one rather sickly-looking Augustinian. It's this monk who is addressing the crowd. I had already for years read and taught the Holy Scriptures, both privately and publicly. I knew most of the Scriptures by heart. Day and night I tried to meditate upon the significance of these words, the righteous shall live by faith. Then finally God had mercy on me, and I began to understand the righteousness of God is a gift of God by which a righteous man lives. Salvation is received by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. The crowd around you begins to murmur excitedly. You also feel a wave of fear and wonder pass over you. If what this theologian says is true, where does that leave the church? Who would buy indulgences? or pay penance, or even fear the Pope. You rouse from your thoughts and notice the monk speaking again. The righteous shall live by faith. I meditated again and again upon these words. Through this word, the Holy Spirit at last enlightened me. I felt as though I had been reborn altogether and had entered paradise. You chuckle to yourself. It seems ridiculous. The world has been turned upside down. Papal authorities are breathing out murder. And total revolution is in the air. And all this was born from the private Bible study of a pious monk? Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for listening today. Ben and Dwayne here. Hi everybody. Uh, and uh, we're, we're excited to talk about what we're going to talk about today. First of all, we want to say that um, our first 
three episodes, we've been super excited about the reception that they've received and the number of people listening and sharing and writing us emails. So thank you for that. You guys are awesome. If you find what we're doing helpful, um, help us share it. Share it with your friends. Share it on social media. Send it to people you might think you think might find it useful. Uh, you can also write a review or rate it. Rate the podcast on Apple Podcasts, and that helps more people hear it. Uh, so that would be great if you want to do those things. Uh, word of mouth, obviously, is the best way to spread things like this. So uh, we invite you to do that. Uh, today, we are going to be uh, continuing our conversation about Scripture, about uh, the Bible and what it means to engage the Bible and how that works and what it does to us and in us. So uh, let's talk about today's big idea. Yeah, this is uh, part of uh, what we started last week. This is sort of like part two of the devoted uh, pattern called uh, uh, Scripture or uh, the Apostles' Teaching, which is what the New Testament essentially is. Uh, but uh, we first have to see through Scripture uh, to really understand uh, what the resilient way of Jesus is. And by the way, we should say um, that when we refer to Scripture from this point on, at least in this podcast, we're referring to the Bible. I, that may be uh, stating, you know, being Captain Obvious or something to some people. But last week, because we sort of reduced the uh, word Scripture, small s, to describe uh, the social imaginaries that everybody carries around, that everybody has an authority, now we're going to sort of unreduce. Is that a word? Unreduce? unreduce. Yeah, I don't know. That's not a good Unreduct. theological word. Yeah, yeah. Unreduct. Okay. Anyway, we're, we're using the word as it would typically mean in a Christian worldview, which is the Bible, okay? Capital S. And um, in times of radical change and uncertainty, like we're in right now, where everybody's trying to follow the models and everybody's trying to figure out one thing and figure out another thing and so forth and so on, where we just don't have the data, we just don't have the information... Ironically, uh, you know, we don't wish for those times, but those are good times to begin to see the world through Scripture's eyes. And I was thinking about this because last week was the week uh, leading up to Easter. Uh, most of us were in our homes, uh, you know, watching live cast and all that kind of stuff. But uh, Holy Week is, is what typically the church has called it over the centuries. Uh, but that represents the last week before the crucifixion for the disciples. And if you look at passages in the Bible like John 13 to 17 and what it records there, particularly in the upper room, uh, Jesus is teaching his disciples and um, you know, just before he goes to the cross, just before he gets arrested and, and uh, is sent to the cross and so forth. And what has struck me is that, you know, those poor disciples had to be going this way and that in their minds and hearts and their fears and so forth and so on. But uh, Jesus was actually planting seeds in their lives with his teaching, which is what the New Testament is, specifically the Gospels. Uh, he was planting seeds in their minds and hearts that later on would you know, sort of blossom into transformation in their lives. In other words, the transformation in their lives already started back when they first heard the Scripture, uh, the teaching of Jesus. So uh, that's something to be important for us to realize, that it's maybe in a time like this when, you know, hey, it might be a good time to start a new pattern, a new uh, uh, way of, uh, you know, doing your day by uh, experiencing daily time in the Scripture or, you know, Maybe seeing it through a different way if you've uh, if you've already done that if you're already doing sort of like a daily 
devoted pattern of Scripture. Yeah, I like I like that John thirteen through seventeen because if you look at what Jesus does or says in the Bible, it's pretty clear that he comes to tell us what the world is like uh, from sort of from the inside of the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. You know, like we're all kind of living in the world and we think, yeah, the world is like this, the world is like that. Um, you know, it's it's the kind of world where tragedy and evil happens is the kind of world where there's always going to be dissension. It's the kind of world where things might work out for a while, but not really long term and where everyone's going to die and all this kind of stuff. And Jesus comes to say, uh, actually, that's not what the world is really like. There's this, there's this other world, like we referenced last week, called the kingdom of God, where if we have eyes to see it, God is moving, he's active, he's in charge, he's, he's bringing life to death and in order to chaos. And uh, and so, like we mentioned last week, there's sort of this other world that you get a glimpse of when you hear the teachings of Jesus or read any of the New Testament writers, really. And that's sort of what we're talking about here today is getting a glimpse of that world. See, what we need is more than just information about the Bible. You know, there's been a big deal made um, in the church over the years about biblical literacy, and we don't need less than that. We don't need, we, we need biblical li- literacy. We don't, it's not that we don't need that, but we need actually something more. We need not just information about the Bible and knowledge about how the Bible works and how it's constructed and how it's laid out, but we actually need a dynamic e- experience or encounter with the living Word of God. So we're going to talk about that today, how to sort of get inside that worldview that Jesus is always talking about, and how to really let the Bible encounter us and, and experience it in a way where it's alive, and it actually changes the way we see ourselves in the world. Yeah, that's that's really what it's about, is that experience. I, I love what uh, James K.A. Smith, or those of us who are more hip, call him Jamie K.A. Smith. Jimmy. Yeah, yeah isn't that right? I got that. Anyway, James uh, in his book called Desiring Kingdom, uh, he, he calls it experiencing scripture is actually, quote, re-narrating the world. So the scripture actually re-narrates the world for us. It changes everything. And what's interesting is that every time there's been a big um, moment in history when God's done amazing things, like, you know, remember in the first podcast, we talked about how God could be really up to something, even in the midst of this difficult time we're in now. Um, every time he does that, he uses scripture in a powerful way, uh, and he uses it to re-narrate or rename the realities of the world. In other words, to show us what's really going on behind, uh, you know, some of the dailies and the distractions and the experiences of uh, the the uh, concerns of living in this world. And that's certainly exactly what happened in, uh, to Martin Luther. And then as a result of the power of work of God through Martin Luther, what happened in the whole world or the Western world uh, in the Reformation as a result. That's why we use that uh, opening uh, dialogue on, uh, an opening narrative on uh, Martin Luther. And one of the most important um, principles or teachings to come out of Luther's teaching uh, that he was famous for in the Reformation and his sermons and his writings, and I mean, you can get a hold of that through all kinds of ways. We'll talk about some of that later. But one of the lead um, principles was sola scriptura. It's one of the most famous uh, things uh, Luther said. That's Latin for by scripture alone. And it doesn't mean that God and his spirit aren't involved in our our lives when we read scripture and so forth. It means the opposite, actually. The Holy Spirit inspires the word of God in us. Now, 
Please understand that Scripture is clear in uh, 2 Timothy 3.16. The Scriptures are inspired. That word in that Paul chooses to write that when he says that's what the Scripture is, it's the word uh, God-breathed. In other words, God breathes out the word. So we want to be clear about that. But as a result of that, there's a power and there's a dynamic there that the Holy Spirit opens up in us in sort of compelling us to uh, be attracted to the scripture, to uh, be changed by the scripture, to uh, want to live out the scripture. And that inspires us uh, to be able to see them and experience them uh, as a living and active thing. Uh, Jesus was the, the living word, the written word is the written word, but they actually come together in that because Jesus actually in those verses uh, or in those passages that we talked about in John 13 to 17 when they're in the upper room just before Jesus goes off to Gethsemane and then is arrested, uh, Jesus tells them he's going to send the interpreter, he's going to send the counselor, he's going to send the one to remind them of the things he's taught them. So he's going he's gonna to remind them uh, uh, what through the Spirit, he's going to remind them how to live out what he's taught them, and he's going to remind them what he's taught them. And so there's this living dynamic to Scripture, and it's, uh, we, as Christians, the Christian worldview is, is, is we believe that it's, it's in there, it's already there. And uh, one of, one of um, Martin Luther's interesting uh, statements about the Scripture uh, is that it was a great leveler, it was a great equalizer, if you will, because he said, a simple layman armed with the scripture is greater than the mightiest pope without it. Uh, if we uh, interpret that in these times, uh, there are no little people, there are no little uh, uh, believers. There, are, there is the body of Christ and he fills us all, any who are willing to hunger and thirst after his word, so to speak. Yeah, I think that's a good way to think about it because Scripture does give us a new way to see the world. And, you know, in Luther's day, there was this uh, social and spiritual hierarchy with, of course, the Pope at the top and everyone else far below. And uh, and so people kind of saw this as that's the way the world is. And what the Scripture does is it comes in and it teaches us something totally different. It says the world is actually not like that. Here's what the world is really like. And it's constantly correcting our imagination about what the world is like. So we don't just want, you know, some sort of uh, imagination where we, we kind of sit by ourselves in our room. We think, okay, I'm going to think really hard about what the world should be like and what I want the world to be. Um, and that's where we get a lot of uh, humanist philosophies and people saying, well, this is my idea for the world and that's my idea for the world. And here's what I think should happen. And here's what. And so we start bickering and fighting uh, about what the best vision of the world and our, and our lives is. But when we get, come to the scripture, we encounter something totally different. It's like the, it's that new world we talked about and it teaches us to see the world in a whole new way. And, uh, and, you know, last week we mentioned that everyone has some sort of social imaginary or some sort of scripture, or you might say some sort of story about the world that they're living into. So the question is, does your social imaginary or your narrative, does it fit the way the world actually is? Does it actually work? Uh, you know, um, there's, you can only live so long going against the grain, grain of reality. And, uh, and if your social imaginary or your story that you're living into goes against the grain of reality, sooner or later, it's going to come into crisis. And so this time of crisis is actually a great revealing moment to go, is the story I'm living into really shaped by Scripture? Is it really the reality as revealed in Scripture? Or is it something else I've picked up along the way or made up on my own? And even us as Jesus followers need to be asking that question of ourselves. Is our 
social imaginary, our worldview, is it durable uh, to the point where even in a time of crisis, it holds water. So we need the scripture to sort of renew our minds in that way and renew the way we think about the world and to give us a new story that we're living into. Um, Some people throughout the history of the church, uh, notably A.W. Tozer, called this the sanctified imagination. In fact, he has an article called The Sanctified Imagination that you can look up online. He says a lot of really interesting things, but he talks about how the the way we read the scriptures actually change the way we view God and therefore the world. He has this great quote where he says, the weakness of the Pharisees, those are in the New Testament, the religious leaders that were against Jesus, the weakness of the Pharisees in the days of old were their lack of imagination was their lack of imagination or what amounted to the same thing, their refusal to let it enter the field of religion. That is, they couldn't really imagine the way God was asking them to imagine. They saw the text that is scripture with its carefully guarded theological definitions and saw nothing beyond it. They didn't look through scripture into the world. They just sort of tried to uh, get the letter of the law and get all the technical details right, and they ended up missing the heart of what God was doing trying to do for them. So what we see there is there's a way to come to scripture where we sort of read scripture and we're an authority over it and we're sort of picking it apart and we're really reading the text. But then there's another way in which the the scripture can read us. It can actually redefine and change us and start to point out things in in the way we see the world and in our thinking that need to change. Um, And there's a a scripture in Hebrews 4.12 that's pretty... um, pretty well known as far as talking about what what the Word of God actually is and what it does. It says, for the Word of God is alive and it is active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing the soul and the spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. When we read scripture, we want to understand that God is there in the text moving and and being active and bringing the words to life so that we we not only read them, but they begin to read and reveal us and begin to change us over time. Yeah, that, I love that uh, analogy that it reads us. Um, the um, uh, that reminds me of my own experience uh, in becoming a genuine Jesus follower when I was in uh, my sophomore year in high school. I uh, I'd come to I'd, I'd gone to church all my life. My parents made sure that happened. Uh, I'd gone to Bible camp and quote unquote accepted Christ, which, you know, I, I don't doubt the reality of that, uh, those experiences to this day. But um, I never really gave myself fully, I guess, what the Puritans would call uh, being soundly converted. I, I'm not sure that I was soundly converted until that second year of high school. And um, I remember when it happened for me, though, and it happened, uh, we'll talk about this uh, in the coming weeks, by some faithful believers, youth pastor, youth leaders, older high school students coming around me and really uh, loving on me in some ways uh, and encouraging me in some ways I just didn't think were possible. So, But I, anyway, as a result, I, I committed my, way, uh, my life to the way of Jesus. And I remember the next week how Scripture was sort of like God's way of telling me, hey, guess what? It's, this is real. And guess what? This is for you. Uh, scripture became compelling. Uh, and just the next week, I remember I, that summer, I got a Bible from my parents. I think they were trying to work on me too. And and uh, the week before that, it was like, oh, okay, that's cool. And then it was that July when I when this happened to me. And I uh, the next week, all of a sudden, it was like, 
I maybe don't understand this like my youth pastor. I maybe don't understand this like my parents. I don't understand this like so. But all of a sudden, I was hungry for it. All of a sudden, uh, I knew that there had been a sudden change in terms of the uh, story of Scripture and, and the uh, Scriptures doing something in me and to me. And they sensed, it, it was like that, what you just said, Ben, it was like they were alive. Uh, and it was like the Holy Spirit was using that um, living nature of what was going on as confirmation that, hey, you are being changed and you are mine and and I will never leave you or forsake you. And all those things just kind of started flooding in and I, I couldn't get enough scripture. Uh, and that's when I actually started reading it. I'm not going to say that I, it's been a solid, uh, unending, perfect journey since then, but what I am saying is is that I never really lost that hunger for uh, you know, I, I, I love going to the scripture and um, experiencing it in a fresh way uh, like that, in, in a living way. And it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to people who haven't experienced it. Uh, I, I remember telling a, uh, a doctor about that when she asked me about uh, whether or not, um, you know, I had any place to kind of de-stress in the day. And she was talking about those kind of things and how important it was to have a real a spiritual life, although she was not a Christian herself, but she was just talking sort of in generalities about having some way to de-stress on any given day. And I said, I know I have this daily devotional where I read my Bible and pray. She said, oh, that's good. I love that. I said, no, you don't understand. I think he's actually there. And she kind of looked at me like, uh, that was pretty odd, and and a person of my age. You're, is a, you're used to that look. Yeah, right? that's yeah, right. I am. I am. But but you know that was only a couple of years ago. So it was, <laughs> she really thought I. Uh, uh, well, anyway, uh, but so it. it but honestly, I, I can't be hard on her because that's exactly what I would have thought of somebody who had told me the exact same thing before uh, I had uh, decided to follow Jesus and uh, and really follow Jesus, like be devoted to him, and so. Anyway, I think that's what the scriptures do. And the wonderful thing about the Bible is it's very self-aware in, in the sense that it tells us what its purpose is. It tells us where it came from, and uh, it tells us what it's designed to do. And what it's designed to do is give us eyes to see this other world that we've been talking about. And John Calvin, uh, another great reformer uh, of the Reformation, uh, uh, other than Martin Luther, called it the spectacles of faith, the, the glasses, the lenses with which you put on. And he didn't get that out of nowhere. Um, the New Testament, again, as I said, is, is self-aware. It describes the process. It describes what it is meant to do for us. In, in fact, I love what James uh, says about the Scripture. It says in verse 22 of chapter 1, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. And then he has this great uh, metaphor of, of what the word actually does in us if we do it. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law and gives that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. You know, when you were reading that Bible verse, it reminded me of a cassette tape that mom got me when I was little. Of well, Bible. she <laughs> was way better at keeping you up on scripture than I was, I have to admit. Of Bible memory songs. And one of them was this verse. It was a rap. 
do not merely listen to the word. Nice, <laughs> that's good. Pretty awesome. You know what you get when was, you mix scripture and rap, don't you? What? Sap. <laughs> cool. That's okay. a good that's yeah. a good dad yeah, joke. Thanks, yeah. That one's that's for free. Good. Yeah, it's right out here in the, among the trees. Oh okay. boy. Uh so I but I remember hearing that scripture on that memory verse tape and thinking, okay, so uh, kind of the the sense I got was, okay, you're supposed to find what the Bible's telling you to do, find the moral of the story, and then work really, really hard to do it. Um, However, let me just say, you never forgot that verse, did you? I never forgot that verse. Do what it says. Do what it says. Do what... It, that's how it went. So, uh, but but there's a sense in which that's what the Pharisees did, is they found the the moral of the story, the thing they're supposed to do, and they worked really, really hard to do it and get it done and check that box. But I actually love, it's subtle, but I love that this, that scripture says not to become hearers, but to become doers, to become the kinds of people who do the things scripture wants us to do. So it's actually about internalizing the Bible in such a way that it changes who you are and changes what kind of person you're becoming. Um, and it's less about trying to force ourselves into the mold of scripture and more about letting the scripture wash over us and change us and make us people who naturally want to do what the Bible is inviting us to do and living into that new world, that kingdom life. And, you know, essentially, when we, when we study the Bible, there are lots of different methods for how to do it. There's lots of different techniques and tools out there that we'll cover a few of. Um, but for everyone, it might look a little bit different. But the main thing to remember as we approach the scripture is that God himself is actually there with us. He's inspired the scripture. He is uh, illuminating the scripture to us by his presence. And he's actually the initiator. He's given us his word. He's called us by his spirit to the Bible. And it's for us to receive from him the transformative word that he has for us in that moment. So whatever, however we approach the Bible, if we use tools, if we do it on our phone, if we do it with a, with a paper Bible, however we, we read scripture on a regular basis, it's important to remember that God is actually present working on our hearts to renew our minds and help us see the world through the eyes of scripture. And as long as we're doing that, we're going to find that the Spirit works through the, the, the living Word of God on our hearts in a really powerful way. A couple of um, quick methods just to talk about different ways of looking at the Scripture. There's, there's a lot of different ideas out there about how to, how to read the Scripture and what a daily devotional time looks like. Um, and we'll, we'll mention a few of them here, but, uh, but I encourage you to, to keep doing some research on your own and, and finding different, uh, different tools and, and helps for your scripture time. A couple different uh, methods that are sort of at opposite ends of the spectrum as far as reading the scripture. Um, there's the SOAP method, which is a little bit more um, study-centric, a little bit more technical. SOAP is an acronym that stands for, or an acrostic that stands for um, scripture, so reading the scripture, observation, notice what you notice, like point out, maybe even write down, I noticed this, this happened, and this happened, and I noticed that. Who, what, where, and uh, why. Who, what, where, why, exactly. Uh, application, so what is it asking of me? What is it asking me to do? And then clo- finishing your time with prayer, asking Jesus to continue to remind you of these things, help you meditate on them all day long, and help you, uh, through his spirit, put them into practice. So that, that's kind of a, uh, a way where you can sit down and sort of really just technically get at what the scripture is trying to do. There's On sort of the other end of the spectrum, there's another practice that's similar, but a little bit more um, prayerful in the, in the way it works out. It's called Lectio Divina. It's a 
old, old, old practice of the church that uh, is, a, is a popular way to encounter, encounter scripture. And it kind of just goes through these movements. Lectio Divina basically just means divine reading. And so it's uh, understanding that there's a divine power to the scripture. So when you read it, you just sort of listen for the spirit. So you read it out loud. Even if you're by yourself, you read it out loud. Um, and then you meditate. You just sort of mull it over. You might even read it again slowly a couple times. Just slowly meditate and notice if the scripture is asking or if the spirit is bringing anything to the surface. If there's anything that stands out and point. And don't, you don't yet need to ask why. Uh, what that's supposed to mean for you. Just like, what, is, what, are, what are you noticing? What's the Spirit bringing to mind? And then pray. But invite Jesus to, to show up in the Scripture. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal something to you, to show you something that He wants you to see. And then the final movement is to contemplate or basically say, okay, now that I've read, I've meditated, I've looked through, I've asked Jesus to reveal something to me, now I contemplate what is it that's come to the surface and why? Why? How does this thing that, I've, that the Spirit of God has shown me intersect with my actual day-to-day life? And so we begin to apply the Scriptures to our life and, uh, and sort of fit, fit our lives into what the Scripture is saying. And so uh, those are just a couple of really basic methods for looking at the scripture, but there's lots of different ways to approach them as long as we recognize that God himself is present in the words and moving through the words to illuminate our lives and help the scriptures, not just, not just to us to read the scriptures, but, but make the scriptures able to read us. Yeah, that's a good point. We're not today. We're not talking about the um, working on the scripture or digging in and deep Bible study, which there's real value in that too. That we're not saying that there's not. There absolutely is, and that should be a part of every uh, Jesus follower's life if we really want to understand the way of Jesus. Uh, but what we're talking about today is letting it work on us. How do we experience it? <clears throat> and uh, a lot like uh, Hebrews four twelve is talking about. And another way to think about it in terms of the devotional daily reading of Scripture is uh, to pray and read with two questions in mind. And let me explain what I mean by that. The first thing is you pray uh, at the beginning uh, for illumination of the Spirit. And um, you know, that's kind of the language, again, Jamie uh, K. Smith uh, talks about when he says how to, uh, he approaches the Scripture. Um, but then also read listening for the Spirit for how... Uh, this world of Scripture intersects with your life. You know, you, you make yourself aware that God is actually there with you, illuminating the Scripture. Uh, he's the initiator. We're, uh, you know, the responders. In fact, uh, you know, as Eugene Peterson says, prayer is actually answering speech because God's already spoken uh, in so many things and so many ways in our lives, especially through Scripture. But then as you come to read the Scripture, you simply ask the question, <clears throat> what is God doing here? And uh, secondly, what does he want me to do about it? Where's God in this? What's he doing here in the scripture I'm reading? And what does he want me to do about it? And just listen for the spirit to uh, uh, open your heart and mind to it. And I wanted to give sort of an illustration of this uh, that happened with me this morning because we wanted to get as practical this uh, podcast as we could. Um, the... Um, uh, I use the the U version, which we'll talk about a little later. It's a it's a um, Bible app, and uh, it's got reading plans on it. And I usually go through the Bible in a year. Uh, there's several Bible in a year apps. Right now, I'm in the uh, Bible Project uh, app on the U version, which we'll talk about both those, the Bible Project and the U version. Uh, but uh, 
you know, sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll read the paper copy and just kind of follow along, but there's a, there's a devotional uh, on some of these uh, reading plans, and then there's a, you know, the scripture, which is what we really want to get to. Um, and uh, sometimes I'll read the scripture on a, in a paper version, or sometimes I'll read it on the screen, depending on where I am. But this morning, I thought about, you know, kind of skipping that, to be honest, uh, because I was trying to get going uh, and get ready, and I was running out of time to get up here into the rainforest of Eden. <laughs> you see how I... <laughs> it's just like every every episode, yeah. we're going to weave in something about where I live. I, I conflated two podcasts. Do you see that? Two episodes. Uh-huh. Anyway, um, <laughs> so anyway, uh, I decided, you know what? Wait a minute. We're talking about the devotional reading of scripture. I better not skip. So um, lo and behold, uh, the reading plan led me to Matthew chapter 5, which is the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus talks about the famous Beatitudes. And as I'm reading it, I'm, I'm, one uh, verse just kind of came out and so thought, you know, this is sort of the summary of the whole deal right here. And it's verse 8. It's the, the uh, uh, sixth beatitude. It's, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And I thought, well, wow, pure in heart to see God. Seeing God, that's what we're talking about in terms of having the eyes to see. And I noticed in verse 1, before Jesus gets to the Beatitudes, it says, when he saw the crowds, that's when Jesus starts teaching the Beatitudes. So it must mean that this message isn't just for the you know super elite or the super uh, intelligent or the super religious or anything like that. It must be for all the people that this is sort of the... Uh, this isn't something for out of our reach. This is something we're supposed to understand. And then I, I came across um, the uh, reality of, of verse uh, four, uh, I mean, uh, Beatitude number four, where it says, those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. And I thought, well, you know, that's what, what uh, Dallas Willard was talking about when, when he talks about the beyond within. Um, it, that came to mind, that, that there's, there's this hunger that... We all have sort of a dream that life would be different, that the that um, there's a rec- recognition that this world is not as it should be. I'm not as I should be, and I, I want the longing for, for better. And so it must not be that the pure in heart are perfect in heart. And then if you go back to Beatitude number one in verse three, it says, blessed are the poor in spirit. So uh, what all of that says, at least in that short little time I had uh, with that those verses this morning, it was like God was saying, hey, this is for you. You know, leaving aside all your preconditions, leaving aside all your failures, all the the goofiness of your life today and whatever else you've done and all the sins that so easily distract us and entangle us, as the writer of Hebrews chapter 12 tells us. Um, it's blessed to be pure in heart. In other words, being longing for that purity of heart that God would make that because we can't make ourselves pure in heart. Only he can do that. And what he promises is we will see God. We will see God in this world. We will see the unseen realities that so often just fly right past us because we're just not seeing it. And it's though, that verse, that promise, that beatitude is all about having the eyes to see. And it all relates to spending time in Scripture and how the Holy Spirit uses Scripture to open our eyes to a whole new world. Yeah, so to, for takeaways today... Um, we, we really just want to encourage everybody to read the scripture regularly, especially while we're in uh, a kind of quarantine uh, in this coronavirus time. Uh, sometimes scripture reading can be put on the back shelf, and uh, there can be so many other things that feel 
urgent. And even in this time of crisis, it can feel like if I'm going to have a moment uh, of free time, I should spend it elsewhere. I should catch up on the news articles or, or something. Uh, but in reality, scripture reading is is something that we can do in this time that's going to just change the way we live through even our quarantine days. It's going to change the way we live through even this crisis. And just like that story we told at the beginning about Martin Luther, you know, he did, he had no intention of setting off a world worldwide revolution that actually set the stage for uh, not only a spiritual revival across the world, but also a brand new mode of, of living as a society. You know, many people trace the roots of democracy all the way back to Martin Luther, and he had no intention of setting off anything like that. What he was trying to do was get inside the scriptures and see the world as they uh, presented it and really see that other world and get inside the kingdom of God. So as we do that, as we read scripture regularly, there's no telling what God's going to do in and through us. But we do know that over time we'll come to see and to live into that other world of scripture, which is also called the kingdom of God. And so we want to take the time to do that slow down enough to really let God shape the way we see the world and ourselves and begin to live into the story of scripture, uh, which will then change really everything, every aspect of our lives. Well, that brings us to books and stuff, Ben. Uh, what about, what can we be reading during this uh, uh, shutdown? Uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, sorry. What you don't know is that's our eighth time recording that phrase uh, because we keep laughing. Okay, so uh, if you're interested in knowing more about Martin Luther, like we talked about at the beginning, there's a great book by Eric Metaxas called Martin Luther, The Man Who Rediscovered God and Changed the World. It's a good Christian perspective on Martin Luther and the power of Scripture as it changes the world, as it changes one person and then changes the world. There's also that uh, essay by A.W. Tozer that we quoted earlier called The Sanct- or, sorry, the Value of a Sanctified Imagination. And uh, you can find that just by looking it up online. And uh, as far as digging in deeper than we did today into the scriptures, there's a good book out called How to Read the Bible in Changing Times. Uh, The subtitle is Understanding and Applying God's Word Today. That's by Dr. Mark Strauss, who's a professor at Bethel Seminary, San Diego. Uh, and it's a very helpful book in terms of just how to dig in. Uh, but also, I want to make sure we reference those two apps uh, that you can get on your phone, uh, pad, uh, or um, your computer. The Bible Project uh, is uh, BibleProject.com, TheBibleProject.com. Uh, you can actually read summaries of all the books that are really, really helpful. And I have to say, what they're doing is... Um, one of the most significant things we've seen in generations uh, of explaining and exposing the Scripture, that's all it is. It's just clearly putting that out there. They have their own reading app, if you want to try that, that's connected with these videos that they put out. They've gone through the whole Bible. Now they have word study uh, videos. Uh, and the Read Scripture is the name of the app. And you can read or watch a video and then read the Scripture that goes with it and that sort of thing. And Ben, did you know they're right here in Portland? I did. Yes, I did. Yes. And I mean, that's, you know, we, we that's kind of something special to celebrate. Secondly, uh, the uversion.com is where the uh, app I was referring to that I use as far as a reading plan goes. The Bible Project has their some of their stuff on there. Uh, and that's what I'm currently using. So it's kind of a dovetail of the two. Uh, but the version has all kinds of different uh, uh, reading plans. They have all kinds of different versions, and it's all uh, free. Uh, it's, it's amazing what they're doing, too, worldwide. Uh, it's just... Uh, 
expanded. It's gotten more people reading the Bible than ever before. And Ben, did you know that we have a connection with the U version? Mm, what's that? We have a connection because uh, the church that that came out of, Life Church of Edmond, Oklahoma, uh, is a evangelical covenant church, which uh, our Easter church hey. is affiliated with. How about that? So we are uh, connected with the two biggest uh, Bible uh, communicators in our world today. Whoa. Yep. Basically famous. Yep. Nice. Yep. All right. Well, that's all we've got for today. We will see you next week. Be safe, and most of all, be made new. Mm-hmm.